You love podcasts. The stories, the laughs, the unexpected turns. But when this episode ends, the silence starts. Not anymore. Audiobooks.com turns that silence into your next great adventure. With over 450,000 titles, from bestsellers to hidden gems, your love for listening just found its new best friend. And because you already know the joy of audio, we're giving you three free audiobooks to start your journey. Imagine your favorite podcast, now with unlimited episodes. That's audiobooks.com. Keep the story going. Sign up for your free trial at audiobooks.com slash podcast free today. Because for podcast lovers like you, the end of an episode is just the beginning. That's audiobooks.com slash podcast F-R-E-E. Hello and welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies and Disney Deciphered. Joe, I'm a little bit under the weather today, so I apologize to everybody out there that my voice is a bit different, uh, but uh, hopefully we'll soldier through this show. How are you doing? Good, good. Back from Charlotte, and uh, thanks to everyone um, for your fried chicken recommendations after my uh, Bojangles story last week. Nothing like uh, bringing up some food to get some engagement, Sean. Uh, just pro tip for you influencers out there. But yeah, we had a great time in Charlotte. Um, was able to, you know, we had an 8.40 p.m. flight on JetBlue, which was going to get us back at 11. Didn't love that. Was able to same day change that to the noon flight. There's only two flights um, for JetBlue between um, Charlotte and Boston. So that worked out well. Always great to same day change things, which you can do um, for anyone for $75. But as a mosaic, it was free. And, you know, I was able to confirm that the night before. So that was nice. And Sean, the other thing I want to say is uh, after you mentioned Carowinds, I was driving and I saw these gigantic roller coasters in the background. Like I was driving south. And I saw them and I was like, that must be the Carowinds that Sean was talking about. And some people uh, mentioned that they like to hearing about that as well. Um, so it's the first positive theme park uh, feedback we've ever gotten, Sean. Yeah, I heard from a few people, too, that really liked uh, hearing about it, have some good memories of Carowinds. Uh, so it talks about how, like, amusement parks are part of Americana and, you know, people, whether they, you know, most people are not crazy like me. They're not going to a bunch of amusement parks uh, like I do. But it's always a part of people's lives, usually growing up. And, you know, whether it's Cedar Point or places like Carowinds or Kings Island or some of these other parks, Magic Mountain over in L.A., it's a big part of their childhood. It was a big part of my childhood, even before I got into roller coasters. You know, I went to summer camp, grew up uh, going to Magic Mountain, Knott's Berry Farm, stuff like that in Southern California, which is what grew up into to my love of amusement parks. But, yeah, it was good to hear about that and glad to hear you got some good fried chicken recommendations. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I also had a Six Flags season pass growing up. Uh, that was Great Adventure in New Jersey. Did they do this at Magic Mountain? You know where you get the Coke cans, and then it was like buy one get one free. So we did that sometimes, but then eventually, like season passes ended up being like forty dollars or fifty dollars or something like that. And so you know when I was a junior, senior in high school, we would just get one of those and just like go down there like five, six times the summer just to hang out. Yeah, back in the day. Magic Mountain uh, had all those different coupons and promotions. And what we would usually do is show up with some sort of a, a discount, the best one we could get, like a Coke can or a coupon. 
And then oftentimes we would be able to trade up because in the lines, other people would have better coupons. And then we would like, if we got a better one, then we would hand off our coupon to somebody else. And that's how it used to work. And then, yeah, as you said, they came back with much cheaper annual passes and uh, that did things a little bit different. But yeah, that was fun back in the day, uh, trading discounts and because they always had really crazy and they still do really crazy gate admission prices. Uh, here's a bit of a tip. Don't ever walk up to an amusement park and just buy a ticket because that's never going to be a good deal. Yeah, that that reminds me, since we're on a tangents already anyway, that one time in college, like I think, I don't even know if you would be able to do this anymore in person. Maybe you could do it online. But one time in college, we were just like playing a game like amongst uh, a bunch of friends and we split up into like four groups and we all started with a penny and we had like three hours to like barter and see what like the craziest thing people could come up with, like starting with a penny. And I remember that uh, one of my friends ended up with like a gigantic road sign. Uh, like, you know, I don't even know why people had that, but uh, it's fun to like trade up sometimes. You know, this is the stuff that, you know, if you're still young out there, John Ryan, you listen to this. Okay. You got to go out there, have fun, barter, uh, make memories by striking deals with people. You know, that's, that's how you build that real life experience. John Ryan sent me a message earlier this week. He's doing a, a school trip and he's staying at Planet Hollywood here in Las Vegas. And I thought that has to be a very unique way to grow up. Uh, in Las Vegas, where you do a school trip and you're staying on the strip uh, instead of actually like in other cities, you would go, I don't know, somewhere else, not a casino on the strip. That's so bizarre. I mean, I guess I guess if you're growing, but then if he's growing up in Vegas, why is he going on a school trip to Vegas? It would make more sense to like come from L.A. or something like that. Like we went to D.C. when we were kids. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, because D.C. and Vegas, totally uh, comparable uh, as far as uh as far as culture same, goes, same rich history, same rich. Yeah, you got all history. the all that architecture, right? I mean, uh, it, it's amazing. I talked to my friends uh, Tim and Amy from Go With Less, who were on the show a couple of months ago. They were in Japan this week, and they asked me about you know Tokyo Disneyland. And sorry to bring up Disney for people, but I said you know if you only have one day, go to Tokyo Disney Sea. And you know they're not Disney fans, but they appreciated it. And just talking with them after that. Gave me so much joy because they just absolutely loved it. And uh, just a reminder to people out there that even if you're not into like Disney, Disney Sea is, uh, it'll take your breath away. It's such an incredible theme park. And, you know, the rides are very sort of adult for Disney. Most of them are bigger rides. So you're not, there's not a lot of kiddie stuff there like you see in Disneyland. And it's a very cultural experience. One thing she pointed out was just really marveling at, you know, in Tokyo, they buy all kinds of merch. Everybody's dressed in a costume and, they really have embraced their own Disney culture as Tokyo Disneyland is almost 50 years old now. And uh, she really loved that part of it, just seeing everybody dressed up, the amount uh, that they buy into Disney there. And so she really appreciated it as a, a cultural experience. And that was fun, uh, fun to hear about that because they're not Disney people. And uh, the other thing she talked about was, uh, and this is just sort of a warning for people going to Asia, how difficult it is to use credit cards in Japan anymore. And this also goes for China. This started quite a long time ago. The first time I went to Japan in 2008, you could use credit cards. Your ATM card would work just about everywhere. Now, a lot of ATMs don't even work with our American ATM cards, and you really can't use Western credit cards most anywhere. So you're paying cash for everything, which, you know, for people like us, that hurts. Yeah, there's that. I can't remember what it was, but I'm sure if you Google, look around, you know, there's a good Suica card play. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but uh, S-U-I-C-A, um, and then people use that a lot but yeah it is interesting because you know the way people 
like for example hong kong is also a mostly cashless society but everyone uses their octopus card um which you know typically is connected directly to their banks so you know it is interesting when you go to different countries and cultures to like figure out um how things work and uh, maybe interesting is not the right word sometimes you know it get gets you in tough situations um so definitely do your research before you go yeah i gave up uh, in hong kong trying to do anything but use the octopus card so i just get one and and use it and it's so simple it's just tap and pay everywhere you go it's just getting harder to use your your western uh credit cards or even debit cards at certain atms so you know keep that in mind i think caroline uh, lupini i think i saw her put on twitter uh, she's an editor at forbes saying that when she landed in incheon airport in south korea this week none of the atms were working for her to get money out so you know just plan ahead a little bit I always carry around U.S. currency, like not too much, but like a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks. Where you know sometimes you can there's there's always cash exchange, right? And it's not a great rate, but if you need cash at a pinch, always nice to have a little bit of currency, especially when you're landing somewhere. So uh, yeah, just a, a reminder with that conversation that people should do that, as I know everybody's heading to Japan this summer. I wish, I wish. I found a hundred dollar traveler check that like one of my grandparents or something gave me like when I was, I don't know, in either a teenager or in like my early twenties. And I was like, this is such a relic of a lost age. Like some people probably don't even know what a traveler's check is. Um, and I was like trying to figure out like, what's the easiest way to cash this? Or should I even cash this at this point? You know, that's, I mean, a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars, but you know, I just like, I was like going through some old stuff and it's just funny how much stuff has changed. Like no one would ever, well, I'm sure people still tra travel with traveler's checks, but that is such a, I mean, that was like, at least when I was growing up, that was like the way to like get money and stuff. Yeah. Say you're old without saying you're old. If you're still traveling with traveler's checks, not you, Joe, but people who are still doing it. Uh, American Express was like the biggest traveler's check company, right? And didn't they used to have like offices in all the major cities so that you could write the, these traveler's checks, which were basically like little coupons that were good for a certain amount of money and you could go cash them in at their offices everywhere around the world. I remember that dying when we started backpacking in 2007, and there was a big debate because people still use traveler's checks a lot. Uh, but thankfully, ATMs were prevalent enough at that time we didn't have to do it. So uh, other than watching my parents use them when I was a kid, I never really used them myself. But that's basically how people got money in foreign countries back before you know international ATMs uh, and everything else. And yeah, that, what, a, uh, what a relic of the past now that you have, uh, you know, so many uh, different payment systems. But, uh, yeah, it's always interesting. One last thing, um, since you brought up Vegas and Tokyo Disney Sea, the one thing that I've never understood, I'm sure I've said it on this podcast before, but I feel like beating a dead horse right now. People who think that, like, Vegas is, like, amazing and, like, refuse to ever go to, like, Disney World, I just it, – it just makes no sense to me because it's all a mirage – no pun intended, right? Like Disney is just a mirage set up for kids. Vegas is a mirage set up for adults, but it's all about theming and transporting you into another place and making you like not think about what's going on. So, you know, I know you get this, but just a reminder for those of you Disney or Vegas haters out there, like it's the same concept except for ones for adults and ones more geared towards kids. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much overlap, which is probably why I like all of them. And that's why I love going to Macau so much. Uh, as you know, I was at Disneyland earlier this week. I don't want to talk too much about it. But 
A reminder, if you're going to Disneyland, you really have to be on top of your planning. Now that they reopened selling their annual passes, in the afternoon, the pack, the park gets completely full. And so uh, in the morning, it was slower, and I was very strategic in using my Genie Plus and doing all of that. And so we were able to get on everything. But if you weren't strategic in the way you went about your day, uh, it would have been a disaster. So I know uh, Leslie has a great article on uh, Trips with Tykes telling people how to plan for Genie Plus at Disneyland. I highly recommend doing that because even though the planning isn't nearly as much, I think, as what you need at Walt Disney World, you still got to be strategic in the way you go around the parks there or all the locals will crush in there in the afternoon and then you're going to be stuck uh, missing things. So it was also a good reminder about how how much smaller the walkways are at Disneyland and how uncomfortable it can get when that park is full uh, compared to, you know, Magic Kingdom or Tokyo Disneyland or basically any of the other Disneyland parks because it just wasn't built for the amount of people that sometimes show up. All right, so let's talk about miles and points and stuff like that. Uh, The Chase Sapphire preferred 80K offer is now available, and uh, it had been available via referrals. It was available in branch first, but now if you you didn't want to go in branch, uh, didn't want to sign up with a referral, you can just sign up uh, on their website. We have a link for it. Everybody has a link for it, so uh, you can do that and uh, get that 80K bonus offer after 4K spend. This is still, I think... One of the best cards to get early on in your miles and points journey. Uh, obviously has pretty good bonus categories. It unlocks transfers to Hyatt, Southwest, and uh, others. And, uh, you know, getting 80K, that's just about as good as you're going to get. We have seen targeted 100K offers. In fact, my son received a 100K offer in the mail a couple weeks ago, but he's not eligible for it because uh, he already had the card, you know, in the last four years. So I was really heartbroken by that one. Yeah, it's a good offer, and um, I, without getting too far into details, like have recently realized that I know people have been talking a lot about the Bonvoy offers recently with the five free nights. I think maybe we even talked about it last week or the week before. Well, um, my I got that card for my wife last year and promptly completely forgot about it, and then now I have five free nights that I need to use before November, which... You know, oh, uh, yeah, first world problems or whatever. But actually, it is because you know we've had all, we have all our travel like mostly planned out and stuff like that. It's a reminder to me that sometimes the simplest things are the best things to do, especially when you're busy. Obviously, I made a huge oopsie forgetting about these five free nights, um, and luckily I figured it out six months in advance so I can use them before they expire. But stuff like the 80K Ultimate Rewards, Sapphire Preferred, that's so much easier. They're not going to expire. You have multiple uses for them. Like for these five free night certificates, like we can only use it to stay at a Bonvoy property. Um, and I know that there have been instances of people getting them extended, but you can't get them extended until like two weeks before they expire. And that's kind of not worth taking that risk. So just a reminder, if you're a beginner, keep things simple. Things like the 80K Sapphire Preferred is simple. And last year or last time this rolled around, I was actually eligible for it again. And it's always nice to get it again if it's been four years or whatever. So um, it is almost as good as it can get when it comes to Chase Ultimate Rewards and uh, very simple. So you know, definitely would recommend. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes to the information on the site with the offer. Um, but yeah, it's good to get... If it makes sense, you know, if you're lucky enough to get the 100K targeted offer, that's great. But, you know, you can always hold out and hope to get something better. But this is about as good as you're going to get for a public offer on that card. So 
you know, keep that in mind. And uh, a lot of people like to say, oh, this, you know, card is overhyped. This was really the first major travel rewards card, I feel, that got such widespread attention. It really, you know, kind of drove this whole miles and points thing. And, you know, it's it's just a reminder, it's still there, right? Even though a lot of us have moved on to other cards, to other things over the years, a lot of people have the Sapphire Reserve, which there is a 70K offer for that, uh, which is uh, still available, even though that's not the public offer. But, uh, you know, this is, I think, a better deal, $95 annual fee. I carry the Sapphire Reserve uh, because I use the travel credit and I do like some of the benefits like the primary rental car and some of the other stuff I get with it. But uh, this is just a great way to dip your toe in. And like I said, uh, my son has it because that was one of the first cards he got. And I wish it was so heartbreaking because I had to go back and look and uh, to see if he was eligible when I saw that 100 k come in the mail. And uh, it was really heartbreaking to see that he wasn't eligible for it. Such is life, Joe. Such is life. So I wanted to talk about this article Benji wrote about how earning tons of rewards costs more now, but it's not that big of a deal. And one of the points he makes is that over the last you know several years, bonus categories have become a huge boon for earning points because you know back in the day, you often didn't have a lot of bonus categories. Maybe you'd have a bonus in travel on a card like Sapphire Preferred, but most cards weren't having 3x, 4x, you know, sometimes even 5x bonus categories. So uh, you really do have more opportunity to earn. Sometimes it can cost more just depending on how you're spending and what you're doing. But there's more opportunity. Maybe it costs a little bit more now. But there's still uh, plenty of ways to earn miles and points. And this is a really good article as he kind of walks through some of the changes and uh, what's basically changed in the space over the last four or five years. Yeah, it's interesting to see how things have gone. I think that... You know, the bonus categories, they reward people who are detail-oriented and also have the time to be detail-oriented. And honestly, even though um, Benji kind of outlines how there's like more multipliers on regular spending and stuff like that, the part of the article that resonated the most with me is how he kind of once again says that in many time, at many instances, his time is more valuable than absolute money value these days and he's realized that he's willing to pay more um, to save time or to make things easier and that's something that really resonates with me again hashtag middle age problems but i think that's something that you know if you have the time and energy to do it you can maximize these temporary 5x 7x 9x even at sometimes multipliers and you can maximize every single purchase but if you are not time rich at a certain stage of your life, then maybe it's about finding those good or okay deals that make you profit, but also save you a lot of time as well. So I really appreciated that Benji put that in there. Yeah, a lot of people I think find this hobby because they're deal chasers and want to maximize everything. I know when I was young, I found all kinds of deals. I was on slick deals all the time, finding every discount I could. And you know, as you get older, you don't have the energy or time to do that. And it's okay not to have to maximize everything. I feel like that's a big mistake people make. Now, if you have the bandwidth to do that and you enjoy that, I guess it's perfectly fine. But if you're not that person, which I think is the vast majority of us, it's okay to, you know, to look at the end result. Uh, you don't have to maximize everything along the way as long as the end result works for you. And sometimes that means saving a little bit of time, spending more time with your family, having more time to do other stuff. And it can be difficult, especially if you're somebody who has that personality, who wants to get every deal, who wants to, you know, maximize everything to the letter of the promotion. And that's fine, like I said, if you want to do that. But 
it's perfectly okay if you're not that person too. Definitely. So Joe, I did want to talk about Chase brought back their $600 bank account bonus. And I wanted to just talk really quick about bank account bonuses. In our Diamond Lounge, we do a monthly member spotlight where we bring some of the more prevalent members of the group and we do an interview with them. They talk about what cards they're getting, you know, how they're earning points. And uh, we had a one that we just did a week ago. And the member I was talking to, he uh, he's just earning a ton of money with bank account bonuses and other things too, sign up bonuses, other stuff. Basically like almost a small salary by doing this for him and his wife. And, you know, it's a good reminder. We do cover bank account bonuses on the site. And, you know, there's big ones like this Chase one, which is, you know, a national bank, fairly easy for everybody to get. But there's also regional offers uh, that you can get as well. And, you know, sometimes you have to jump through hoops. You definitely have to be tracking everything and keeping track of it. It can get a little overwhelming when you end up with a lot of bank accounts. And they're not always the easiest to close. Like credit cards, I feel like, are much easier to close than closing a bank account. Most banks, you know, want to mess with you a little bit. Some banks even want you to go in person. It, it just can be frustrating, but there is a lot of, you know, cash to be made. And if you sort of approach it systematically, look at these deals and kind of keep going through them, you can earn a lot of money. Now, keep in mind, this money does get a 1099 because it's considered interest. So it's a little bit different than welcome offers. Uh, but I think there's one side of it where you can really maximize this stuff, earn, you know, thousands of dollars a month, maybe even some people are doing, especially if you have two players. But there's also another side of it. You know, I I don't do nearly as much as I probably should, but I jump on some of the bigger ones. Like I did that Wells Fargo deal last year where between my wife and I, that's a $3,000 bonus for just two bank accounts. These Chase ones are pretty good, $600 or more sometimes. Uh, Wells Fargo, some of the bigger banks have them. But also keep an eye out for those smaller banks because those regional banks often have good deals as well. Have you done any lately? No, I've never gotten too into the bank bonus thing, um, partially because of what you said, the fact that sometimes it can be a pain to close or a uh, worse situation is like, I don't close it and I forget I close it. Like, for example, I was doing my taxes and I was like, oh, hey, I still have a SoFi account around. And, you know, it's like too much mental. I like I don't have a good enough organizational system to take advantage of that. Which uh, I would remind people that um, a lot of these bank bonuses, you do need to think about whether there are tax implications or not. Um, there, you know, I th I can't remember since I haven't done one in a while whether there always are tax implications, but that's definitely something um, that you need to look into. And I think typically, I mean, I live in Massachusetts, so they send us 1099s for everything. So you know, normally I just report it all, but yeah, that's de something to definitely bear in mind, especially if you're um, doing you know, a dozen of these a year or something. Yeah, for sure. You're going to get an interest uh, 1099, 1099 INT. And you have to look at if you're doing a lot of these, is that going to put you in a different income bracket? Obviously, talk to your financial professional about that. But there is a lot of opportunity. And when I talk to people like this member, it's always, you know, spurs my mind to, to make sure I share that information with you guys, because, um, you know, we don't talk about that maybe nearly as much. And it's just also a reminder that there's so many different ways to play this game and to to do it. And with interest rates rising, another sort of option that's come up, and I think it's, you know, obviously, obviously, we're not talking about investment advice, but a lot of the banks now have 5% savings accounts, um, you know, because of interest rates rising, which obviously inflation has wiped out a lot of value of our, our stuff, if you're just letting it sit in a low interest account. Um, and, you know, CIT Bank, I think right now has a 5% 
CD. That's like a six-month CD. Uh, I think 4.9% on like an 11-month no-penalty CD. There's other banks that have that. We have uh, an article about the CIT ones, which I think are the best I've seen. But there's a lot of banks that are right around that 5% place. So uh, if you do have some money just sitting around, you know, that might be a good way to, to, to make sure you're earning some interest on it. Uh, if you you know want it sort of liquid, especially if you can put it in like a no penalty CD where you can still draw out uh, the money if you need to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a, a year ago, these things were paying 1%, right? Now they're paying five plus percent. So that's maybe another shift in strategy people should consider as well, especially for their liquid funds or money they have sitting around. Again, not financial professionals here, just another uh, thing that was sort of spurred by talking to this member. Good stuff, good stuff. And Joe uh, Built launched their dining rewards thing. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people leave miles and points, myself included, on the table by not registering for all these, like, dining rewards things and, uh, you know, Dosh. And there's all these different cashback apps. And, again, it could be overwhelming. Uh, but Built is kind of putting their hat in the rink with a, uh, a program for called Built Dining. And right now it's only in New York City, Atlanta, Dallas, Chicago, and Boston, Joe. So this uh, applies to you. But uh, you can earn up to 8x on dining with this card. Um, you just go to the dining tab in the built app. Um, then you can filter by location. You add your card in there. And uh, you'll earn 5x points for uh, for the dining. And if you have the built MasterCard, then you get even more points. But you don't need the built MasterCard. You just need a free built account. And uh, so that's another way to earn points, especially if you're in one of those cities like you, Joe. Do you go dine out a lot? Not really. Since it's been so long since I've done one of these things, I'd be curious because, like, I don't dine out a lot, but we do dine in a lot, you know, order takeout or whatever. So I'm assuming that if you do something through Uber Eats or something like that, that's not going to count. But if you order from the restaurant and either even – I mean, I know a lot of restaurants don't have their own delivery services anymore. But if you order from the restaurant and go pick it up or whatever, um, you know, there's probably money to be made there. Yeah, and Built will give you 100 points if you just link your card to the account. So just for doing that, you're going to get 100 points. And just another reminder that Built has rent day every month where, you know, they have those quizzes where you can earn hundreds of points. And I highly recommend, you know, everybody in your family getting a Built account just for that. Uh, over time, you know, they can build up. Like, I think I've been doing every Built rent day, and that gave me several thousand points. I should say I do have a financial relationship with Built. But I'm just saying you don't need the MasterCard. If you want to get that and you want to use it to pay rent, I feel like it's a great product. We've talked about it before. But if that's not your thing, there's still opportunity here to get the app, to get a free account now with the dining and even just their rent day promos where you can earn, you know, most months I think it's, what, 350 points. So if you think over the year, uh, these can transfer to Hyatt, to American Airlines. Uh, you know, you can probably earn close to 5,000 Hyatt points, get a Category 1 free night uh, for doing this. So th they are fairly valuable. I think there's a lot of people in the community doing it uh, where they're, you know, maximizing these promotions every month. And uh, it's good to see them giving more options. I feel like Built is definitely a program, you know, they're aimed at helping you earn points for paying your rent. But now they're sort of fleshing out all their other offerings. And a lot of people may have missed the message that if you don't have to use it to pay rent in order to participate in a lot of this stuff, including uh, the dining, the other programs uh, that they have going on. Yeah, I need to, you know, I don't know. I feel like I'm saying this all the time. I need to pay more attention to these things or not because it just takes up too much time and uh, mental space, but it's good to know. And now I am finally a built person because uh, 
I signed up for the um, Hyatt trial, of course. Although, a uh, reminder, globalist sucks. Don't get it. Yeah, I mean, that's another example of people uh, who are, you know, where you're not using built for your rent um, doing it. And I signed up for it, even though I probably will hit 60 nights, but I, I signed up for that uh, promotion as well to, to get globalist just in case something happens. I know I'll have 20 nights during the promotional period. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're doing some cool stuff and they have a variety of partners. And it seems like every month on rent day, they're figuring out a new promotion. Um, they've had different statuses and they're really kind of going around to their partners and getting them to offer up stuff that we're not seeing other programs do. So uh, always uh, fun to do that. So, Joe, uh, did you see Bed Bath & Beyond? Is, uh, they're gone. They're going away this week. Liquidation. Yep. Uh, there were some pretty salty uh, <laughs> tweets about it, but uh, I won't uh, mention those directly. But I did want to talk a little bit about Bed Bath & Beyond because at, there was a time where there was a lot of um, fruit to be garnered from that for Miles and Points people. I remember back when the happy cards were a thing, you know, you'd buy happy cards from your grocery store and sometimes get like, you know, 5x on gas points or even more. Depending on what card you use, you'd get like bonus on that as well. Um, and then I remember getting those and then using those to buy Disney gift cards at Bed Bath & Beyond. And that was a lot of fun. I know a lot of resellers used to use Bed Bath & Beyond. I remember I was helping to source stuff for a friend and there was the, I think it's called like Bed Bath & Beyond Plus or something like that. There was like some membership you had to get and then that got like better deals and like free shipping or whatever. And I remember like buying some blenders. I never saw the blenders, but they just went to my friend. Um, and so, you know, RIP, um, things move on. It's kind of in some ways crazy that Bed Bath & Beyond has survived this long. I mean, remember Circus City? Like that died like over a decade ago or whatever. But I was curious if uh, you ever, you know, had any plays at Bed Bath & Beyond um, that, you know, most of them are dead now, so we're not talking about anything that's been live for quite a while. Yeah, I know they used to sell Visa gift cards at a certain point, and I did some of that, and I resold some of their gift cards. Hopefully anybody, if you're listening to this, by the time you're listening to this, gift cards won't be accepted anymore because they basically only gave a few days, I believe, to accept gift cards before they turn it over to the liquidators. Um, those famous coupons won't be accepted anymore. I was reading an article about it. How, you know, a couple of years ago they shifted away from those 20% off coupons and how that might have been the final death of the company because people really counted on those coupons. I guess there was a whole ecosystem around them. And even though they had expiration dates, apparently they always they always accepted them. So people would just collect stacks of these coupons and, you know, go in and get their 20% off. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a big brand. Buy Baby Buy, I think is another brand that, that's owned by them that's also obviously going away and they're going into full liquidation. And what that means for people who don't know is when a company goes bankrupt, and this is why they don't often like honor gift cards and other stuff past a certain point, they basically turn through the bankruptcy court, turn the stores over to a liquidation company who's designed to get the max maximum profit for whatever merchandise they have so that they can pay off their debtors. So in other words, they bring in new management and that's why you always see in those liquidated stores, like if you ever saw Kmart, it's always the same signs. They're like these yellow and black liquidation, uh, you know, save up to 70%, whatever it is. It's because it's these big liquidation companies that come in, take over the stores and basically offload all the merchandise over time. So in the beginning, you'll usually get like a 30% discount. 
But if you see them going up to like 70%, which usually, you know, within a month or so, they'll do that. That could be a good time. But generally, uh, I have some experience doing this with some of the Kmart stores. Everything good is picked over by the time you get up to 50, 70% off. And uh, I don't know that it's always worth your time. But if you were a big Bed Bath & Beyond person, then uh, you might want to go check out some of their stuff uh, that's going to be liquidated because there are some big national brands, some expensive stuff. Uh, But yeah, it's uh, sad to see that brand go, but I haven't been into one of their stores in a while. And uh, I guess between a big stock buyback this last year and getting rid of most of their 20% off coupons, it seems like that was the final blow for a company that was long struggling. Yeah, it's too bad. But I mean, I think we've seen a lot of these big box office chain and big box chains go by the wayside. I was listening to, um, there's a kid's podcast, Million Bazillion, which is about like money things. And there was an episode on, uh, essentially it was on economies of scale and why like all these big box like vendors exist um, because of efficiencies and things like that. But then you can really see how, you know, once things start going downhill, they can go downhill really fast. And the other thing uh, I was, I, I think I tweeted about it or was talking about it with someone, but like Quiznos, same, same deal, right? They like overexpanded and then eventually like the bottom dropped out. And when it drops out, it drops out fast. Yeah. Quiznos, like one day you never saw them here in Vegas. And then like the next day there was like a hundred locations and they did the same thing. And then I think there's still some left, but I haven't seen one in quite a while. I Definitely read in the article, they said there was like maybe two dozen or like under a hundred left, but at some point there was like 2000. Um, and so, yeah, it's a look, look that article up. Um, what happened to Quiznos or something to that effect. It, it was pretty interesting. All right. I think that's going to do it for us this week. Again, I apologize about my voice. Joe, where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast? find me at as joe flies all over social media if you're looking to book a trip joseph chung at travelnation.net what about you sean at miles to memories all over social media miles to memories.com for all our posts podcasts and videos thanks so much for listening talk to you guys next time see ya You love podcasts, the stories, the laughs, the unexpected turns. But when this episode ends, the silence starts. Not anymore. Audiobooks.com turns that silence into your next great adventure. With over 450,000 titles, from bestsellers to hidden gems, your love for listening just found its new best friend. And because you already know the joy of audio, we're giving you three free audiobooks to start your journey. Imagine your favorite podcast, now with unlimited episodes. That's audiobooks.com. Keep the story going. Sign up for your free trial at audiobooks.com slash podcast free today. Because for podcast lovers like you, the end of an episode is just the beginning. That's audiobooks.com slash podcast F-R-E-E.